really great. Well, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the very first time, and welcome those of you over in the, the venue. Thank you, uh, Jared and Tim, for leading worship over there, and welcome to those that are listening online, online right now, or on the radio, or whatever. Um, we're uh, right in the middle of a, a series here at Big Valley Grace called Unlikely People, where we're looking at the lives of some of our brothers from the Old Testament, people like Samson and Jonah, Noah. Last week, uh, Pastor Rick Thompson did an incredible job of unpacking the life of, of King David, didn't he? Isn't that just, just unbelievable? Today, we're going to look at uh, a man that most of you have never heard of, and that is, as Pastor Bobby mentioned, Jehoshaphat. How would you like to have had that name growing up? <laughs> Jehoshaphat. I sat in my office this past week and thought about all the nicknames he probably had. <laughs> Most of them I, I couldn't repeat uh, 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 up here, but I came up with quite a few. Jehoshaphat, like King David, was one of Israel's great kings, and in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he's got a, a huge problem on his hands. He's, he's facing a battle. He's facing a, a, a battle with long odds. You see, there are these three huge uh, evil uh, armies, really nations, that had decided to team up and uh, attack Israel. They wanted to wipe Israel off of the map. And, and uh, what we're going to look at today is how Jehoshaphat went about facing this battle, how he went about facing this crisis, because it was really smart. In fact, it was kind of a, a road map if you will, of how we ought to face the battles that we face today. Some of you right now are facing a, a financial battle, aren't you? There's a financial crisis that's just looming right in front of you. Some of you are uh, facing a, a spiritual battle right now. Some of you right now are facing a family battle. Some of you are facing right now a, um, a marriage battle. There's a a crisis, right, in your, in your marriage. Some of you right now are, are facing some health battle. They found a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump. You got an x-ray back and there's a little uh, shady spot where there's not supposed to be a shady spot. You're worried. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, he said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. That's the weirdest, craziest promise that you'll find in the Bible. Jesus said, this side of heaven, this side of glory, life is full of trials and sorrows. Uh, another way he could have put it was, this side of heaven, you're going to face a lot of different battles in your life. Lots of crises will come into your life. I know for a fact that there are some of you here right now and you're, you're facing a huge battle, right? Well, you came to the right place today because this is a story for, for you. This is a story that I know is gonna bring you great hope. I know it's a story that's gonna bring you great encouragement and it's a story that's gonna give you some tools, some, some principles, if you will, will, that you can follow that'll bring uh, the victory that, that you're 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 wanting. Now, before I give you these principles, I need to give you just a little bit of background. As I said earlier, this 
this man, Jehoshaphat, is facing this battle. These three enemy nations have decided that they're going to join forces and attack Israel. Okay, and these were really evil people. Everybody look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and look at verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, it's, all the verses are in your program or they'll be in the jumbotron. It says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Minuites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, huge army, bunch of evil, wicked guys is coming from Edom. They're marching against you from the Dead Sea. Beloved, the Jews are in trouble here. This is a, a bad moment. This group of people is facing a huge battle, which is why the first six words of verse three say this. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And we can all relate to that, can't we? We've all been in some situation where we were scared, right? Some of you are scared right now. Some of you are terrified right now. One of the things that happens when you come to church is we don't have a whole bunch of little coat racks, you know, all around the inside of the, the sanctuary or over in the venue where you walk in and, and you just kind of put all your battles and crises on the coat racks and then you come in here and worship the Lord and then when you leave, you just pick up those battles again and walk out. It doesn't work that way. You walked in here with, with those battles that you're facing. And that financial battle's got some of you worried, got some of you terrified. That, that health battle has some of you worried. You're terrified over what that, you know, lump is. Some of you are scared about your family and, and the battle that it's facing, your marriage and the, the, the battle that, that your marriage is, is facing. Listen, when you're facing a battle or crisis or whatever, fear is a, a natural reaction to it. It's normal to be afraid when you're facing a crisis. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. That's a normal reaction to the battles that we face. It's what you do with the fear that matters. The fact that you're afraid right now, that's normal, folks. It's what you do with that fear that's gonna make all the difference in the world. So I want you to think for a moment. What, what, what do you typically do when fear grip, grips your soul or you're facing some battle? Do you normally get discouraged and give up without even making an effort? Are you intimidated by it? Do you allow the, the fear to paralyze you so you, you, you can't do anything? Do you curse God, you know, and quit coming to church? You know, why, why would God allow me to face this, this trial? Or do you allow the fear to motivate you? How do you normally respond when fear grips your soul? Well, Jehoshaphat, in the midst of his fear, did, did six things. 
He did six things when he heard about these three armies that had come together to, to wipe him out. And these are, um, these are the six things that you need to do when, when you face a battle. And here's the deal. Some of you are going, you know, I'm not facing a battle right now, and maybe I can tune out or whatever. No, no. If you're not facing a, a battle right now, praise the Lord. But buckle your seatbelt because what? Tomorrow's a new day, right? <laughs> you may not be facing one today, but you will. And so you, you're going to want to pay close attention. You're going to want to put these in your, these little six things in your Bible and look at them. And for some of you, you're in the battle right now. And, and, and for some of you, you need to start applying these things right now in, in, in your life. So here we go. Number one. When facing a battle, run to God as fast as you can. Whatever that battle is, whatever that crisis is, the first thing you do is you run to God. The Bible says in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance. Beloved, Jehoshaphat is scared out of his wits and for good reason, right? Some of you have good reason to be scared right now. Jehoshaphat knows he's in deep trouble, so he did the smartest thing you could do. He ran to God as fast as he could. And you need to do the same thing when you're facing a, a battle or a crisis or whatever. The smartest thing you can do, the wisest thing you can do when you're facing a battle is to simply get into the presence of the Lord. Be with the Lord. So let me ask you, who, who tends to be the first person you run to when things get tough? Your spouse, your parents, your friends, your pastor. Oh, when things get tough, first thing I do is run into the altar room. Your therapist. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with these people. In fact, God oftentimes will lead you to talk with one of them. He'll use one of them in, in your life, but the first person you need to run to when you're facing some sort of crisis or battle is you need to run to him. Don't run to your spouse. Don't run to your parents. Don't run to me. Don't run into the altar room. Don't call your therapist. Make the first person that you talk to the Lord. He's got to be the first person that you run to. There was a moment when an angel came to Mary, the, the, the mother of Jesus, and told her that she was pregnant with God's child. And in Luke chapter one, it says this. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? <laughs> I, I'm a virgin. And that's a question anybody would ask, right? I mean, she's a virgin. She's never had sex with anybody. And now she's being told that not only is she pregnant, but she's pregnant with God's baby. So she asks, how can this happen? How could it possibly be that I'm pregnant? And how could it possibly be that I'm pregnant with God's baby? Well, how many of you remember what the angel's response was? The angel said, Mary, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing. I know, Mary, doesn't make any sense to you. And you've asked a great question, but you need to keep this in mind, Mary. With God, there's nothing that's impossible. 
And the reason nothing is impossible with God is because God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. The prophet Jeremiah said this, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You see, God has unlimited power. There's nothing too difficult or too hard for him. Psalms 147 says, God counts the stars and he calls them all by name. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. Job said, I know that you, that's God, can do anything and no one can stop you. And Job's right. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, because he's all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. So it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, that when you're facing some battle, some crisis in your life, that he'd be the first one that you'd run to. Your spouse, as great as he or she may be, isn't all-powerful, isn't all-knowing. As great as your parents might be, they're, they're not all powerful and they're not all knowing. As fantastic as I may be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clueless half the time. It's God. He's the first one you want to run to. Now, what do you do after you run to God? Well, that brings us to the second thing that Jehoshaphat did that we need to do when we're facing a battle, and that's this. When facing a battle, you talk with God about the battle. First you run to him, and then you start talking to him about it. It says in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat was terrified. That's normal. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He began to talk with God about it. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I don't know what we were doing. Kate and I were doing something, and it got late at night, and he was heading down the hallway to bed, and, and he got scared about something. And he ran into the bedroom and said, hey, hey Dad, I'm, I'm scared. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty smart thing to do. And he's in fourth grade. He's scared. So what does he do? He, he stops, and he runs, and he finds his dad, and he says, hey, Dad, I'm scared. I don't know what's down in my room, but there's something down there, you know? Walk with me. And I know Cade. Cade, you know, he, I'm, I'm like Spider-Man and the Hulk and, and Batman all wrapped into one, you know? The bullets just bounce off me and stick on you, you know? I mean, I mean we can all learn something from a, from a fourth grader, can't we? That when he was scared, there was this battle, this crisis. Oh, no, i got to walk down the end of the hallway to my room. And he's scared. What does he do? He comes to me. And he says, I'm scared. Dad, will you walk with me down to my room? And like any good father, I said, absolutely, son, come on. See, he wasn't scared anymore because he was in the presence of his dad. And when you're facing a crisis, whatever it might be, financial, health, marriage, I don't know what it is. I, there's lots of battles we face. 
Let me tell you something. There is nothing like running to God and talking with him about whatever it is. When you're in the presence of the Father, wow. Something happens. Something supernatural takes place. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, don't worry about anything. Hey, whatever that battle is you're facing, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't fret over it. Instead, run to me as fast as you can and talk to me about it. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And it's when you've run to God and you talk to God about it, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace, God's peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Beloved, too many Christians make prayer talking with God. The last thing they do, you know, everything else has failed, so I guess I'll just talk with God. You know, I've done everything else I could do. Talked it over with my spouse, you know, my parents. He went to pastor, you know. He wasn't any help. I guess I'll pray, you know. I guess I'll talk with God about it. Don't do that. Like I said, God will often send you back to your parents or your spouse or your pastor or your therapist or whoever. God tends to use people like that. But you always want to go to him first. Now, there's a couple of things that Jehoshaphat did as he prayed that are really important, okay? And these are two things that you need to do when you're praying, when you're facing a battle. Number one, when you do pray, you need to spend some time remembering who God is. Look at verse 6 of chapter 20. He prayed, Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord, our God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the nations of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand up against you. Beloved, when you're facing a, a battle, you need to remind yourself of who God is. Jehoshaphat said, you're, you're the God who's in heaven. You're the, you're the God who rules over everything. You're, you're the God who, who's all powerful. What's he doing? He's simply reminding himself of who God is. Because sometimes when you're facing a, 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 a crisis or a battle, you, you forget about that. The only thing you, you, you got in your brain is the battle, is the war you're facing. And you forget about God and who he is and how great he is and how awesome he is. And when you begin to remember just exactly who God is, wow, it makes it a whole lot easier to trust him. It makes it a whole lot easier to relax and, and experience his peace in, in your life. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. He said, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? He goes on and says, listen, God didn't even spare his son. He gave you his son. He sent his son to a cross to die for you. And if he gave you his son... What would he possibly withhold from you? Uh, I'll give you my son, but you know, I'm not going to give you anything else. Everything else is that's too much. Are you kidding me? He gave you the very best he had. Everything else is not even, you know, doesn't even count. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I can do everything through Christ 
who gives me strength. Everything. And why did Paul believe that he could do all things? Because he knew who God was. And this is one of the things you need to do is just remind yourself of who God is when you're facing some battle. And the second thing that Jehoshaphat did in his prayer that we need to do is this, is that you need to spend some time remembering what God has done in the past. You remember who God is, and then you remember some of the cool things he's done in the past. Verse 7 says, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people uh, uh, Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? When you're facing a battle, Christian, or whatever, one of the ways to you build your faith is to remember all the things that God's done in your past. You remember your past. It's one of the great reasons why some of you ought to keep a journal. Because we can easily forget all the great things that God's done for us, right? See, one of the things we as human beings often do is we forget. We're so busy focused on the next thing, you know, the whatever. We forget all of the incredible stuff that God's done in our past. In our, you know, when we were younger, when we were newly married or in our family or whatever it might be. And one of the things that we see here in the life of Jehoshaphat is, yes, he, he ran to God. It was the first thing he did. And then he began to talk to God. He began to pray with God. And in his prayer, he's reminding himself of just how great God is, and he's reminding himself of all the great things that God has done in the past. If you ever walk into our building over there, our office complex, there's a plaque on the wall. And that plaque is simply a reminder of the miracle that God did here a number of years ago. And some of you were a part of that. When we needed $1.5 million in one offering, and God showed up and gave us that offering. And we have a plaque right inside our, outside of our wall over there. That's a reminder of how God did a miracle here. And guess what? God's done lots of miracles in your, life, in your lives. The bummer is, is that we, we, we forget most of them. When, when little David was facing off against the giant Goliath, one of the things that gave David peace was he remembered what God had done in his past. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Lord rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear, and he'll rescue me from this Philistine. You see what he's doing there? Here David is going to take on this giant, and what he's doing is he's remembering what God's done in his past. There was a time that a lion uh, uh, attacked me, but God was there. There was a time a, a bear started to attack me and my sheep, and God was there. And now it's a Philistine. And God's going to be with me when I take on that Philistine. When you're facing a, a battle, the first thing you do is run to God. The second thing you do is, is you talk with God. You spend time remembering who God is and what he's done in the past. And the third thing that Jehoshaphat did that we need to do is this. When facing a battle, you need to humble yourself and admit that you're inadequate to handle the battle. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this army that is about to attack us. 
We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. That phrase right there, we don't know what to do, is a phrase that some of you couldn't even dream of uttering. Especially the men in here. I mean, that's a sign of weakness, isn't it? We don't know what to do? What are you talking about? We just don't like to admit that. We, we think we've got to have an answer for everything. That somehow it's an indictment on our spirituality, you know, if, if we don't have an answer for whatever's out there, you know, whatever the crisis is. We can handle it. I mean, after all, you got a great education, right? Some of you are running your own business. The idea that you wouldn't know what to do, oh, come on. Let me tell you something. If you're not willing to humble yourself in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a battle, and admit that you're inadequate to take on whatever it is that you're taking on, You're never going to experience a victory. Beloved, the only way you ever succeed in your walk with the Lord is by humbling yourself and admitting that you're inadequate for the battles that come into your life and that you need God's power in your life because if you don't, if you don't humble yourself, sooner or later, you're going to give up. You're going to fail. Whatever that battle is you're facing is going to get the better of you. God said this through the great prophet Zechariah. He said, you will not succeed by your own strength. You will not succeed by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful. The Christian life is a supernatural life, which means you need God's supernatural power to live it. You can't live it on your own. Our, our brother Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, God resists the proud. And you can be a follower of Jesus, and God is resisting you. You're a part of his family. You're going to go to heaven and all that kind of stuff. But down here on planet Earth, you can be one of his followers. You can be one of his children, and you're in resistance to him if you're not willing to humble yourself. He says, humble yourselves then under the mighty hand of God so that he will lift you up in his own good time. And then he says, when you've humbled yourself, see what the linkage is here, now you give him all your worries, all your troubles, those anxieties, those battles. Give them to him. It's in the context of your humility. It's in the context of the fact that you go, man, I, I just can't make it. I, I don't know what to do. God says when you come to him and you give all your cares, you give those battles over to him, he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up at that moment. Look back at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the, the last part of verse 12 again. Jehoshaphat said, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. I want to give you another phrase that I think will help you maybe see this clearer. When the battle comes, when the battle comes, you've got to gaze at the Lord and you glance at your problem. But you gaze here. You see, the reality is you, 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 you got to look at the, the problem. 
You can't go through life just gazing at the Lord. No. Like I said, you, you don't leave your problems, the battles, on little hooks inside these doors and then you pick them up when you walk out. No. But what happens too oftentimes is when we're in the battle, when we're in the crisis, we end up gazing at the problem. And then we glance at the Lord, you know. Oh, and this is where we live. Oh, yeah, Sunday. Oh. And then, you see, we're gazing down here. And whenever you're just gazing at the battle, wow. If all Jehoshaphat would have done is just looked across that mountain and just gazed at this enormous army. He didn't do that. He humbled himself. He admitted the fact that he needed God's help. We don't, we don't know what to do, God. I don't even want to look at that army, man. I don't want to look at it anymore. I'm just going to gaze at you. You're the one I want to look at. We need your help, God. Corey Timboom said this. She said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. Why? Because there's a lot of bad things happening in the world, right? Anybody read the Minnesota Bee today? How about yesterday? How about the day before that? Read it tomorrow. <laughs> she went on and said, if you look within, you'll be depressed. Why? Because you see all your faults and your failings, your shortcomings, all the sin and junk in your life, you know? If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. When you gaze at Christ, you'll be at rest. Why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. He's the all-powerful one. That's why you want to run to him as fast as you can. You want to talk with him about whatever the battle is that's going on. And you just want to humble yourself and admit to him, this, is, this financial thing's way of, I don't know what to do. This marriage, I, I don't know. This health thing, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this lump. I, I'm lost, God. I'm scared. I'm terrified. Now, I want you to look at verse 15, and let's see what happens when you run to God and talk with him about what's going on in your life, and you humble yourself before him. Verse 15 is one of my favorite verses. God said, listen, all you people of Judea and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. You see, when you run to God and you talk with him about what's going on in your life and you humble yourself and admit that you need his help, it, it, it gets his attention. It matters. If Cade would have stopped halfway down the hallway and never ran to me and never talked to me, he's going to be frozen in fear. But he didn't. He came into the room. Dad, help me. It's scary. I don't know what's down there. And guess what I did? As an earthly father, I took action. Son, get out of the way. This battle ain't yours. It's mine. Just stand behind me. I'll walk down there and get whatever's under the bed or in the closet or whatever it is you think, Sarah. I got you covered. 
and our Heavenly Father, I don't think He's any different. I think when we come to Him and, and we say, God, I, I, here I am. I, I got this thing that's going on in my life and I don't know what to do. I'm lost, God. I'm trusting you. And then God says, okay, now we're in a good place. You see, when you gave your life to him, Christian, you gave your life to him. That means all the battles, you gave them to him. He cares about your life. When you gave him your life, he cares about your life. Whatever, whatever life throws at you, whatever those battles are that you face, Listen, some of you are in a battle right now and the reason you haven't experienced God's peace in your life is because you haven't really humbled yourself and admitted how inadequate you are to handle the battle. I mean, as long as you're saying, God, I can solve this you know, marriage problem on my own, I don't need anybody's help, God says, okay, go for it. Or I can solve my financial problems on my own, I don't need anybody's help, God says, okay, I'll stay out of it, go. Or I can solve my alcohol problem or porn problem or anger problem on my own. I don't need anybody's help. God says, go for it. And you just go, 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 and work and work and work. And when you're finally exhausted and you're at the bottom of the barrel, maybe that's when you'll look to me. Look, if you don't want God's help, <laughs> God, God normally doesn't butt in. He says, go for it. It's when you humble yourself. It's when you come and say, man, I'm just messed up. <laughs> Help me. That the Father steps in. You see, miracles tend to occur when people say, God, please help me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm in, I, I need a miracle. God, help me. That's when you tend to see miracles. Now, I want to give you a chance to actually do number three. Okay, right now, if you're here right now and you're facing a battle, maybe it's a financial battle, maybe it's a health battle, maybe it's an anger battle, maybe it's a narcotic battle, alcohol, drugs, maybe it's a porn battle, maybe it's a, a family battle, maybe it's a marriage battle, I want you to stand up right now as a way of humbling yourself and saying, God, I, I need your help, and then I want to pray for you. And in every gathering, and I want you to do that over in the venue too, now, I know some of you aren't in a battle right now, and so you don't need to stand up. But those of you that are here and you're facing something, I want you to stand up, and just by way of standing, you're saying, God, I'm humbling myself right now. I'm, I'm lost. I need your power. And what we're going to do is we're going to sing a, a song after I'm done praying for you, then I'm going to quickly give you the last three just very quickly. But Father, I want to lift up these folks that are standing up right now and those that are over in the venue, Lord. And I want to claim the, 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 this great promise that if we humble ourselves, that you promise, God, that you will come along and you'll lift us up. And Father, I'm just praying for my brothers and sisters that are standing up right now, God. And I pray, Lord, that they would somehow begin to sense your peace in their life. They, they've run to you, God. They're talking to you, God, about this battle they're facing, and now they're humbly standing in front of a whole lot of people. God, you promised that 
when we do that, that the battle's not ours. The battle's yours. Lord, would you use this song right now to kind of lock in this, this, this important point? I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, over in the venue and in here, I want everybody to stand. Let's all stand and we're going to sing this third point together, okay? Grab a seat. Grab a seat over in the venue real quick. And we just go through these next three songs. And listen, or three points. That song we just sang is loaded with truth. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
If you're a, a child of the king, you're his prince, you're his princess. Battle belongs to the Lord. So you run to God as fast as you can. You, you pray with God. You humble yourself before God. And number four, when you're facing a battle, invite other people to help you. Invite other people to help you. In verse three, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judea to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judea came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And verse 13 says, all the men of Judea and their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Listen, God never wants you to face whatever crisis you're facing, whatever battle it is alone. Yes, you run to him. Yes, you talk with him. Yes, you humble yourself before him. But you also need to include others. That's why God left you these brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we have this thing called the church. This is a place where we can come and love one another and encourage one another and stimulate one another to love and good, need, good deeds. This is a, a place where we can care about one another, whether it be in the altar room it might be in your small group. It could be in your men's Bible study, women's Bible study. It's just not a place where we dispense a bunch of information, as great as this information is, it's God's word, but it's a place where we care about each other, we love each other. We fulfill the, the second greatest commandment to meet each other's needs the way we meet our own needs, you see? God doesn't want anybody here to be a lone ranger and you just kind of face whatever this battle is, this financial battle or, or health battle or marriage battle or whatever it is on your own. You need to invite other people to be a part of it, to let them pray for you, to gather wisdom you know, from, from them. Number five, when facing a battle, you gotta believe, you gotta really believe that God is with you. You gotta, you gotta believe it. Verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle, God says. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judea and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Get out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Early the next morning, the army of Judea went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judea and in Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Jehoshaphat really believed. He believed it. You had to underline those two words, stand firm. Standing firm is... is uh, is a mental attitude. It's an attitude of quiet confidence. It's, it, it's an attitude that, that you have while you're waiting on God to fight the battle. Jehoshaphat doesn't know what God's gonna do. God just said, Jehoshaphat, you're my kid, and I'm gonna, I'll be there. This ain't your battle. You just follow me. Jehoshaphat has no clue what's gonna take place. He just believes, he really believes. And you have to do that also. You can't run to God and talk with him and humble yourself and invite others and not really believe. I just don't believe it. No. You really gotta believe that God cares about you and that he's all powerful and he wants to you know, be a blessing in your life. 
And number six, and this is the key. This is the one that most Christians fumble right here. When you're facing a battle, okay, you, 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 you've ran to God, you've talked with him, you've humbled yourself, you've invited others to you know, participate in this, you really believe. Number six is you gotta praise the Lord in advance for whatever it is he's gonna do. Verse 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Here's the story. Now, just, just capture this. Just listen. I know you filled in the last blank. Just forget about it. Over here, three enemy armies, evil people. Big guns and tanks and bazookas. Over here you got little Israel with Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat says, okay, guys, I really believe that God's going to win this thing. So let's put the choir out in front. I mean, you know, that would have, imagine George C. Patton. He'd have gone nuts over that battle plan. What? Imagine you're in the choir. I mean, there's a reason why you're in the choir, right? I mean, you know. You see what Jehoshaphat's doing? He's not waiting for God to do it and then rejoicing. That's not faith. Faith is saying, you know what? I believe God is going to take care of this thing. And so we are going to rejoice right now. Remember those of you that were here, when we had that miracle here, we took that offering, right? Now, John doesn't count it until the next day, but what did we do? We partied, didn't we? Had all the cake and, the, and all the party stuff out there. We partied like we had the money. We just believed. We believed to the degree that we were thanking God in advance because we knew God was going to do something. This is the one thing that we Christians don't do very well. We go to God and we run to him and we pray and we humble ourselves. We get other people to pray. You know, we really believe. But we miss this one where we say, I'm going to thank God in advance. I'm going to believe. Look at verse 22. Let's see what happens. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moabites, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. Now, if I'd have been in that choir, if there had been a bunch of guys with my voice in that choir, I could understand why these guys would all start killing themselves. I, you know, hey, guys. I, I, stop it. Just stop the guys from, that guy's horrible, you know. <laughs> but I, I don't know what happened, folks. All I know is when they started singing, started rejoicing, God took action. Is it what Jehoshaphat thought was going to happen? No. And the battle that you're facing right now, God's going to show up. I believe it. You gotta believe it, but he may do something that you're not expecting. In other words, he may not sort it out the way you want it sorted out. 
but he'll sort it out. And here we see all of these guys just all dying. Now, I want everybody to stand up. Okay, I want you to stand up over in the venue. And we're going to say these six things out loud. Now, listen. And then we're going to do number six. Those of you that stood, there were hundreds of you. We're actually going to sing that song. And I want you to sing it like you mean it. Let's say these six things out loud together. Number one, when facing a battle, run to God as fast as you can. Number two, when facing a battle, talk with God about the battle. Number three, when facing a battle, humble yourself and admit that you're inadequate to handle the battle. Number four, when facing a battle, invite others to help you. Number five, when facing a battle, believe, really believe that God is with you. And number six, when facing a battle, praise the Lord in advance for whatever it is he's going to do. And let's sing this song together right now, okay? Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever For He is good, He is above all things His love endures forever Sing praise, sing praise With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm Come on! His love endures forever <laughs> For the life that's been reborn, His love is yours forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever, God is faithful. Forever, God. From the rising into the setting sun His love endures forever And by the grace of God we will carry on His love endures forever Sing praise, sing praise Come on, sing praise
pray and the altar room is going to be open and this is where some of you may need to do step four. See, the altar room is a place where you can invite others, the spiritual leaders, to pray for you. It's a place where you can gather some wisdom about maybe some things that are happening in your life. The altar room is a place that's for you to maybe take that fourth step. Some of you stood up today and you humbled yourself. Don't fight the battle alone. Include somebody else along. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time. I, I've just really in, enjoyed being here today. I've enjoyed watching you work in people's lives. Thanks for working in my own life. And Father, life is full of battles, and I'm grateful that you included this little story, this little vignette of the life of Jehoshaphat, because there really are some just great principles there that we can all learn from. Father, thanks for being good. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, we'll see you here next week, Lord willing, okay? Live for Christ.